are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well out there on their Tuesday afternoon. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. And we have a packed studio for everybody today. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us. Christian, it's good to see you in the flesh for the first time in a little bit. Yeah, it's been like maybe a couple weeks now. I don't has know. It, has talked, it been a month? I don't know if it's been a month, but I feel like I've done a show in here in January at this point. But I've talked to you on the phone a couple times. That's so. right. How was your trip to Montana? To Frisco? My bad. <laughs> we talked about this before the show, and I was like, how was your trip to Montana? No, it was the Montana game in Frisco. How was that? Same thing. It was good. Um, the game was not enjoyable because my poor Montana State Bobcats got slaughtered by North Dakota State, but you know that'll happen when you play North Dakota State. So overall, it was fun though. Don't mess with the Bison. Don't mess with the Bison. They just need to go up to FBS. I don't know why they're still in FCS. I should have done that years ago. They're too good. I mean, for what they're doing. So credit to them though. But I'm glad you had a fun time. I've always wondered what Frisco is like. I've thought of it a lot like Lubbock, and that I would imagine I would see quite a few tumbleweeds <laughs> going through the streets of a place named Frisco. I also think of Crisco when I think of Frisco. So I've always wondered, what is this like? Because there are a couple of bowl games in Frisco now. I mean, there are two bowl games in Frisco, Texas now. Yeah. The Frisco Classic, and then the, maybe it's just called the Frisco Bowl, right? It might even just be called like the Texas Bowl or something like that. I don't know. Well, the Texas Bowl is in Arlington, I think. I think it's Arlington. Yeah, because they play in the Cowboys Stadium. But still. Too many good bowl games, but... No, Frisco is like 20 minutes outside of Dallas, so it's definitely not tumbleweeds. Like, it's pretty. It's, it's like not a, that far west. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wonder what that's like. I've never seen a tumbleweed before. That would be interesting to see. I need to make a trip to Lubbock. <laughs> but, and we were talking about this before the show started, just in terms of Auburn basketball, and we'll quit with all this nonsense in just a moment. But I was watching the Texas Tech game last night. I stayed out for the double overtimes. That is a defense that I do not want to see in March. That is a work of art. And so I actually really don't want to go to Lubbock. I don't want to see anything like that. That is a good basketball team. Well, I'm glad you stayed up because I did too, and it was worth it. I mean, what a game, man. They Both teams battled, and it's one of those games where you hate to see somebody lose because they played so well. But Kansas playing at home, man. Allen Fieldhouse, what a place. What a place to play. I want to go so bad. Never been. But, I mean, what a basketball game. That's what we love to see. A standalone game on Monday night, can't beat it. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390, that's how you can reach us. Any questions you've got for us, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com here for at least the first full hour with us on today's show. We're going to talk about a litany of things going on, all the staff changes on defense. What does this mean for Auburn? We talked a lot about that yesterday, but we want to get the experts' opinion on it today as well as we'll go down the rabbit hole of recruiting. Where is Auburn football at right now? They've done well on defense, but offense has a lot left to be desired. So much coming up on today's show if you want to call in 334-321-1390. But we're going to start with the basketball. 
side of things with Auburn, and Kentucky is big mad. Kentucky is triggered. John Calipari on his show definitely took a few jabs at Auburn and their environment on Saturday. So many Kentucky fans, I'm sure, if you're on social media, you have seen Big Blue Nation upset, big mad about Jungle City, about how excited Auburn was and how apparently the only reason why Auburn was excited was because they were there to see Kentucky play basketball. I wanted to take some time to debunk some of the nonsense. And I said this on yesterday's show, and I've been saying this for a couple weeks. I said eventually Auburn basketball is going to become a villain. Eventually, Auburn basketball is going to become the villain in college basketball. Bruce Pearl is a figure that many people like to hate on in college basketball. He has his fair share of folks that people do not. They don't like him. Let's just be real. And for Auburn, it seems like there's a bias against Auburn in football, basketball, baseball. It just seems like it can't register in people's minds that Auburn can be an elite team for whatever reason. People love to hate on Auburn. And although Auburn for a while was the lovable underdog this year, I now think they have crossed into that threshold as we've seen all across the sport over the last week. Some folks even going as far as to call out Auburn's credibility and strength of schedule in the media sphere of things from the Kentucky side. I just think it's it's outlandish to take a jab at Auburn's credibility and strength of resume this year and what they've done up to this point. Auburn clearly looks at this moment like the best team in college basketball. Yeah, on Ken Palm, they've been hovering around like 15, 20-ish range in terms of strength of schedule. They played a pretty solid non-conference schedule. And then, you know, the Kentucky Riders were saying, oh, what's this SEC schedule? Auburn doesn't make their SEC schedule. That They are given a schedule before the season. They play it out. So, I mean, I don't know why you'd be complaining about strength of schedule. Auburn plays. Auburn has played one of the toughest schedules so far, to be honest. And when you get to be the number one team in the country, that hatred – starts to come from everywhere because everybody wants to see the number one team go down because it's fun to watch. And that's what's going to come with the territory of Auburn being the number one team in the country. But when it comes to their schedule, all they can do is play the next team. Kentucky just happened to be the next team on the schedule Saturday. Auburn plays like that and has that kind of energy for every single game they play. Dylan Cardwell has his shirt off more than he has it on. I mean, let's just be <laughs> honest. So that, that, that wasn't special for Kentucky, I promise you that. And those fans were in Auburn Arena and the jungle was camped outside Friday night and Saturday to see Auburn, not Kentucky. And Auburn's Mm -hmm. rustling feathers. Let's be real. The way Auburn's fan base on Twitter attacks with memes, it's all in fun. It's all in love and good jest. Unless you're on the receiving end of it. (laughs) See, but I don't even think, and you go and look at the memes, they're not. They're not bad, nasty memes. They're not malicious at all. You know, it's like, ah, that's funny. There's a ton of Auburn basketball players on bad boy mowers across the (laughs) sea with Bruce Pearl looking like Poseidon. Like, that's hilarious, you know? It's objectively funny. But people are getting big mad about this. But Auburn's obnoxious isn't the right word. It's not obnoxious to us. To other people, it may be obnoxious at at this point. I think Auburn's crossing into the threshold because this team talks, too. Mm -hmm. They like their trash talk. They are in your face about it. And because they're so they're so excited, they have crossed into the threshold that this is a villain now in college basketball. I'm here for it. This seems good enough to play the villain role. And maybe that's something, this is the bulletin board material. I hope the players saw all the things that John Calipari and all these Kentucky beat writers are saying right now. I hope they see that because it's bulletin board material. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, I would actually go back to Jacob's point. I'm going to disagree slightly about camping out. Now, they're camping out because they. I think they want to see Auburn-Kentucky. I don't think students are going to camp out for the Oklahoma game this weekend. Sure, but I don't think, I don't think it's a disrespect to Auburn's team to say that they camped out because it's the Kentucky game. They didn't camp out to see Kentucky. They camped out to see Auburn against Kentucky. 
They camped out because that's just a big game. It's a rivalry right. game. They that wanted built to see up. their team play in a big game. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's fair. And I, I mean, students are still going to line up way beforehand for the Oklahoma game, but they might not camp out. So they might camp for the Alabama game, though. They might. Yeah. That I, doesn't mean they're there to do, watch yeah. the Alabama game, or excuse me, they're not there to watch Alabama play. They're there to watch their Tigers play mm-hmm. against yeah. a good basketball yeah, team. Right. Like, and I'm no, not, I agree. And I'm not going as far as like the Kentucky person who said, oh, they camped out to see Kentucky. That's not the case. They camped out for a big game where at the time number two Auburn was playing the number 12 team in the country that's kind of formed as a rivalry over the past couple of years. And Calipari had a good quote on that show. He said, this is what happens every time we play. And that's true for, for years with Kentucky People go crazy when Kentucky comes to town. And so you're right, Christian, that, that's true. People come to watch Kentucky play because it's Kentucky and it's the brand, and that's what happens every time teams play Kentucky. But at this point, Auburn is so good and they're better. And then the number one team in the country, people are coming out to watch Auburn play in big games, like you said, Noah. Mm-hmm. Likewise, though, and this is where Christian's getting at with this Auburn team, is that they want to see their team play Kentucky. It's never been like this before for a Kentucky game. Auburn's never camped out before for any game, right? Like, this Kentucky game, and Calipari should know this, he's been to Auburn even recently over the last five years when it's been a big game. It hasn't been like this. Auburn didn't even storm the court on Saturday when they won. There was a time within the last seven years when Kareem Canty goes off, goes stupid with his performance in that game. Auburn upsets him, has no business winning that game. Auburn finishes with a losing record by a handful of games that year. Auburn storms the court, right? The, the persona and the atmosphere around this Auburn program right now is on a whole different level. And so I, I think it's a jab, and it's kind of a pompous jab at that for Kentucky to say, oh, it's because of us. No, you've been here before. It's not just because of you. It's reached this level because of us and what we're doing, what Auburn's doing. Of course, we're not going to do that for Oklahoma. So we want to see a big game and you play a role in that. But the reason why it's hit this level is because Auburn's great at basketball. Yeah. And Auburn was supposed to win that game on Saturday. Yes. And in years past, that's not the narrative. Auburn, when Auburn four points, when Auburn beats Kentucky, it is an upset until this season. This was the first time we've seen it to where Auburn is supposed to beat Kentucky. They're favored to beat Kentucky. And I'm glad they didn't storm the court because they shouldn't have. Because if you're the better team... Yeah, live, I was like, don't storm the court. Exactly. Don't storm the court. I, I was hoping all day they wouldn't do it, and I'm glad they didn't. And it shows that Auburn is at the top and they belong to be there. It's like Indiana back in the middle of the week. I don't know if y'all saw this. Indiana upset Purdue. And granted, that's a big upset. They're unranked. Purdue's a top-five team at the time. And they win that game and they stormed the court. But I'm thinking to myself, oh, how, how far the Indiana program has fallen that they're the unranked team that just upset their rival who's top five and indiana historically is the better basketball program they're a blue blood they are now can teams fall from can can teams be espunged right from their history of being a blue blood indiana would be pretty darn close right uh considering their recent history in the program but it's crazy to see a team fall that far and then go and storm the court right to for a team that historically that is not a team that they would have stormed the court over, right? Hey, North Carolina's getting that way. Falling from the ranks of the Blue Bloods, you think? Yeah. 
Like oh, just because in the last couple of years, I, I I'm not quite there yet on that one. No, well, but yeah, they're not Indiana level, but yeah, they're struggling recently. They are struggling. They've been on the downhill since Auburn beat them. I'm just gonna say, you right. know, right now Joe Lenardi's bracketology, or at least the last time I looked, this was as of this weekend. North Carolina was the eight seed in Auburn's region, and Auburn was the one. I think it just switched actually, because North Carolina is like one of the last four in in his wow. bracketology today. Um, but the one I was looking at today had Purdue as like a two seed um, in Auburn's region. Villanova is a four seed. So that'd be a little bit of a tough draw. Go figure. It always <laughs> happens that way. It always happens that way. But it's also a lot of it's based off of locations. So when people want to point out, oh, well, they're being unfair to Auburn, a lot of it is based off of locations. Like what region Auburn goes into is also based off of where that one seed in that region is getting to play. Like So it's very likely that Auburn can end up playing in Greenville, South Carolina for their first matchup. But the region that they go into could be the Midwest region, which has the Chicago um, regional final matchup, yeah. right? And so, like, some folks are like, well, why isn't Auburn playing in the South? It's because the one seed in the South may be playing in San Diego or something like that, right? So it doesn't always match up like that. Auburn's going to get to Auburn's going to get the closest location to them as possible, depending on if they get that overall, that top overall seed. But they even still, depending on where all the four teams are from, if they're all from different regions, it'll end up working out just fine for Auburn getting a favorable matchup in the first round. They're a one seed, right? Uh, but it would stink for Auburn to get another region of death, if you will, <laughs> like they did a couple of years ago. But going back to the strength of schedule point, you were talking about the SEC because I, I know exactly who you're talking about that took the shot at Auburn's strength of schedule earlier today. And so I went and did some digging on the numbers. You can't point out Auburn's strength of schedule right now in terms of Q1 and Q2 wins. Auburn's 10-1 and in Q1 and Q2 games. Let's look at the rest of the top 10 right now. Gonzaga is 6-2. and two. Arizona is 6-1. and one. Baylor is nine and two. Kansas is ten and two. Purdue is six and three. UCLA is six and two. Houston is two and three, and they're zero and two in Q one games. Poor Duke, the poverty program that is the Duke Blue Devils, <laughs> they're four and three. Michigan State is seven and two. Don't talk to me about strength of schedule. Auburn's got the best one out there in terms of Q one and Q two games. It's wild to me. There's going to be an argument from this point on for the season because unfortunately for Auburn they only have one ranked team left on their schedule we talked about that yesterday on the road at Tennessee and yes that's going to hurt them strength of schedule but to this point no you can't make the argument that their schedule hasn't been tough they played like you said Christian a lot of good non-con games before the SEC but unfortunately they've only got the one ranked team left so Auburn just has to go in and take care of business but there's some good teams in the SEC a lot of teams fighting to get into the tournament right now like that trip to Arkansas is going to oh, be extremely scary. tough. Tough, I, tough. I'm predicted that is the next Auburn loss personally. But that's trip what to Noah Arkansas said yesterday. Be tough. The trip to Mississippi State is not going to be easy. That's like, what I said. There's still some really tough teams they have to play. A and B. The same person that said, "Oh, look at the SEC strength of schedule," and they were saying like, "Oh, you know, LSU is ranked this." They wouldn't be ranked that highly probably if they had to play Auburn twice because they might be losing twice to Auburn. Yeah, LSU's not playing good basketball right now either. Yeah, they lost to Tennessee and whatnot and. Then you want to bring up, but also let's bring up Kentucky's schedule, though, right? It's like, what has Kentucky done this year, aside from beating Tennessee by 30, which I'll be honest with you guys. Look, Tennessee's talented. We know they're loaded up with talent. They've recruited well. They're a good basketball team. But the time that they played Tennessee, what had Tennessee done? All they're doing is struggling. This is a team that played Vanderbilt the next game and shot 34% from the floor and 21% from three at Vanderbilt, guys. Tennessee's not all it's cracked up to be either. And outside of that win, Kentucky has beaten no one. As far as quality opponents are concerned, they have beaten no one. 
they've played four ranked teams this year. They're one and three in those games. Exactly. Their only win was at Tennessee. Lost, so, lost to Duke, LSU, and Auburn, and they beat Tennessee. They're one and three in ranked games this year. And so that brings me to my last thing that I wanted to debunk, that I've heard this a little bit, and why Kentucky fans are big triggered. I think it's absolutely preposterous for someone to have said just because Kentucky was up by 10 with Ty Ty Washington healthy with about 10 minutes left in the first half. I think it's ridiculous to say, oh, well, Kentucky would have won if Ty Ty Washington hadn't gotten hurt. There's still three quarters of the game left. You can't prove that. Ty Ty also wasn't having necessarily a huge impact in the game offensively, and he's also historically this season struggled on the road a little bit. Now I think it does play an impact in the game, certainly, especially because Kentucky's kind of a thin team already, but like, I mean, that's just an advantage Auburn has. Like, Auburn is super deep, and Kentucky's not. Like, Bruce talked about it yesterday in the press conference. He's like, people will say that you have 10 or 11 good guys, and he's like, yeah, we do, and you probably do too, but you don't play them. So, I don't know. I don't think – I think the Ty Ty Washington thing is being overplayed a little bit from Kentucky's 100%. Side. They're, they're triggered, man. It, it's, it's the it, truth. It would have been different, honestly, if, you, if it was Severe Wheeler that went down at that point and didn't return to the game. Because yeah. Severe Wheeler was balling. And even when he left the game and then was able to come back and stuff like that, like he was having a huge impact on the game. He was almost unstoppable. Ty Ty Washington was not unstoppable up to that point. Did I see something that John Calipari wants to ban yep. screens? He wants yeah. to. Okay, so that got overplayed a little bit. He wants to ban blind screens, essentially. Uh, like the crack black, the, the crack back but, block. But, but it's like that's what most screens are. Yeah. That's um, the point of a screen, actually. Call it out. Yeah. Like, that's my thing. Call it out. Oh, I, I think he did, but you could not Can't hear, hear a word. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. And that, yeah, it, it it definitely was overplayed. I understand where he's coming from because there is a safety part of it. It's like the blindside block in football now. But at the same time, I mean, that's part of setting a screen, like you were saying. A lot of times they don't see it. That's the point. That's what a screen is, is to stop the, the defender. And, like, what I mean, what are you going to do? Tell him it's coming? Like, I don't know. I have a buddy yeah. that I play pickup basketball with a lot. Okay. And he, he listens to the show a time or two. I hope he ends up listening to this podcast as well. Shout out to you, man. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Secret screens for the win, man. <laughs> okay. That guy's a beast. I always enjoy playing basketball with him. Also, it's not like Walker Kessler like lowered his shoulder or did anything malicious in the screen. It was no, just a just situation where someone that was like 5'8 or 5'9 ran into a 7'1 brick wall. <laughs> Who had been posted up for like three seconds. He stood and waited for them to run yeah. into him. And, also, and you're coached to do that. You are. Yeah. If oh, you're yeah. going to be pressing my man full court every single possession, we got to do something about that. We can't just let you do that. So you set a screen on somebody. Yeah, and the, the guy had no idea, man. He was, he was looking the other way, running full speed, and just ran into a wall. I mean, you feel bad for him, but. Because it does hurt. Part of basketball. It does hurt. I've ran into the secret screen before. <laughs> My nose bled. Man. <laughs> it was a good time, man. It was a good time. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about tonight's basketball game. Auburn is on the road at Missouri. The newly ranked number one Auburn Tigers. What statement do they make tonight in Columbia, Missouri? Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there. We got Christian Clemente, FarmerSports.com, on the show with Jacob and I today. Christian, how, how has the new year treated you so far? It's been pretty good. Wrapping up my last semester of classes here at Auburn and then figuring some stuff out for the future, and it's been good. So how about you, Noah? Well, outside of getting COVID last week. So I saw a really funny picture on Facebook, and you're right. I haven't told a ton of people that I have COVID, but I did have COVID last week, and um Fortunately, it was a mild case. It wasn't that bad. But I um, 
I saw a picture on social media. It was of the Walking Dead, and they were all like cornered by a bunch of zombies, and it was like those few of us in 2022 who still haven't caught COVID yet and we're still trying to avoid it, right? Um, and I saw that as I was in the doctor's office getting you know officially tested and whatnot, and so I was like, wow. bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm a part of the Walking Dead now, right? Um, but it, it definitely was not fun, but fortunately it was a mild case uh, mitigated by being vaccinated and whatnot. So it was a it was a it was a tough week off, but we we made it work, right? Yeah. Well, knock on wood for myself. The very first year of 2020, when it came out that March, and we came back to school that September, that's when I caught it. That very first week we came back to class, I caught it then. And knock on wood, I have not got it since. So that you we'll know see. Of. that I that I know <laughs> of. Yeah. I mean, I'm joking. Yeah, that I know of. So I hate that you got it, but glad to see you're back, yeah. and we're ready to rock and roll now. 2022 has definitely started better than 2021, and 2021 was probably a better start than 2020. It's, we're, we're slowly a lot better, but a lot to talk about in the Auburn sports world, and we'll get to football-related things in our next segment. Let's talk about tonight's game against the Missouri Tigers. Auburn on the road, newly ranked number one team. This Missouri team, though, has had the propensity to be a bit of a wild card, a loose cannon, if you will. You look at some of their games, they might lose by 43 to Arkansas. The next <laughs> night, they may, they may beat Ole Miss by 24, right? You just don't know, and they've hung with Alabama in two games. I'm uneasy about this one just because it's Auburn's first game ranked. Auburn is vastly more talented than this Missouri team. It should be total annihilation. It should be. But the thing is, you just don't know what Missouri team you're going to get. And this Missouri team does have the ability to push good basketball teams. I think it's going to take a complete like meltdown from Auburn. just Because this team is so talented and it's so deep that the entire team would have to be off against Mizzou. Just because I think the talent difference is so wide there. Um because, you know, Jabari Smith could have an off night, and then Jalen Williams, Williams comes in. Walker Kessler gets in foul trouble, and Dylan Cardwell comes in. Like, they're so deep, and they have so many different talented scorers and whatnot. Um, and with all due respect to Missouri, I just don't think they can compete with Auburn because, you know, people will say, oh, Auburn might be lackadaisical a little bit um, because they got that number one ranking, and they're just not fully motivated. That's, I think they're still motivated. That, yeah, that, that's not a Bruce Pearl team. I promise you they're going to go in there and they're going to be motivated wanting to get better. So that that's not a concern for me at all. Um, I am i don't think this game is of much concern. Well, I mean, the messaging now for Bruce Pearl, because he's a master motivational coach in college basketball, I think he's one of the best motivators, if not the best motivator in college basketball. Now what he's going to tell them is like, look, they don't believe you should be number one. Now that like it's like, what is the next thing that's go- that you're going to be striving for? What I mean, obviously this team wants to win a national championship, and so it is important for us to all remember rankings mean absolutely nothing in college basketball. At the end of the day, I mean, it, to a degree, it can affect the perception of your team in terms of when the committee rolls around and how they rank you through their scrubbing process. As far as seating is concerned, it's more important if you're winning big games and teams like Kansas always get a bump in terms of their seating in comparison to maybe where they're ranked. Like maybe not by a ton, but it may be the difference of a seed line just because of what you've done on your resume. At the end of the day, though, being ranked number one in college basketball means nothing because it's not like football. Four teams don't make the dance; sixty-eight do. And so Auburn's now got to – it's great to have stri- to have strived for this, to have wanted this because it's a historic moment for Auburn. Now it's got to be in the blinders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you could have celebrated that for a little bit. It's got to be in the blinders now because this is not your end goal to be on top. And so when I actually saw you tweet earlier today, Walker Kessler's Instagram post and his location was on top – they are on top, and I, I don't want to read too much into that, but I'm also like, all right, put that in the blinders, man. I, 
it, you're not on top yet. On top is when you win in March. Uh, I promise you they have. I <laughs> yeah. promise you. Bruce Pearl would not allow any of his teams to soak in having the number one ranking in January for more than like a day. Well, and that's it right there. It's only January. I mean, it's the end of January, but a ranking doesn't matter. Yeah, it's cool to be number one, and yeah, it's cool to make history, but that was yesterday's news, literally, for Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. They're ready to go, and we've talked about it already. Bruce Pearl doesn't let that happen with his basketball teams. And to go on tonight's game, Christian, you hit it right on the head. This team's too talented. They could all have an off night, and they would still probably win this game tonight. Again, nothing against Missouri. This team's just too talented, man. There's too many guys that can come in at any given time. They can play 11 different guys. I mean, that's insane to have on a college basketball team. They're too talented. Auburn, it should be a good, easy win tonight. First win as a number one team and roll into a game against Oklahoma on Saturday. You know, I'm going to be real. Looking at this Missouri team, some of their statistics, the difference between what they've done in conference play versus what they've done holistically this entire season. Get this, guys. Just three-point percentage. Just looking at this and how different this team has been and how much of a wild card they've been in conference play as opposed to how atrocious they were in non-conference play because this team was getting blown out by everybody in non-conference play. Liberty, Illinois, whoever it was. I mean, it could be someone like Liberty or it could be a, a top 25 team like Illinois. They were that bad, but... This team was only shooting 27% as a team this year. The entire year, they have shot 27% from three as a team. In conference play, they're fifth in the league, shooting 33%. On defense, they're holding opponents to below 30% from three. That's fourth in the SEC. As a team, nationally this year, across the whole year, 36% is what they've been giving up beyond the art. That's outside the top 300. So in conference play, just conference games alone, they place in the top five in, three, in both offense and defensive three-point categories. But nationally, across what they've done across the entire season, so that's incorporating non-conference play, this team's outside the top 300 in both of those categories. I mean, that shows you how different this Missouri team has been in conference play as opposed to what they were before SEC play started. Yeah, I mean, they're playing a lot better now, and I think one of the biggest keys in the game is limiting Kobe Brown because when he does go off, like, he goes absolutely off, and he can single-handedly take over games. It's like KT Harrell in the good old days. I didn't, I didn't get to see any of You didn't games, get to watch so KT, no, man. That was a little mm. bit before my time. But Kobe Brown will go off, but he's also never had to face, you know, Zepp, Allen Flanagan, Katie Johnson, drive to the basket against Walker Kessler. So I think Auburn will be able to limit him. But three-point shooting is a thing that can keep you in a game, and that's what we've seen from Missouri in the games that they have stayed close with Alabama and winning a few SEC games, especially playing at home. They're not going to have a sellout crowd. Tickets are going for 6 bucks on StubHub. But, I mean, three-point shooting keeps no, you in the ballgame. <laughs> yeah, three-point shooting keeps you in the ballgame. Not that they're going to be in it, but if they can continue to shoot 35 40% and hit 15 threes tonight, I mean, anything's possible, I guess. They're not a particularly good two-point percent team, uh, two point percentage team either themselves or in, de- in terms of defending the rim. Uh, they do average 4.1 blocks per game, but they don't get blocked a ton. But in terms of two-point percentage, this is a team that scores less than 50%, which is going to put you outside the top 200. This is a team that is allowing folks to score around 50% at their ramps. So once again, it's going to put you outside the top 200. That's an area where Auburn has thrived at. And you want to talk about previous coached Bruce Pearl teams at Auburn and how they've had the propensity to just try and shack up threes and shoot through cold stretches and whatnot. This is a team that hasn't been like that this year. This is a team that's dominated inside the arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's helped this team, I think, go to a whole other level compared to previous Bruce Pearl teams. Yeah, I would agree with that. The only game I can think of where they just shot a ton of threes was like Georgia, if I yeah, remember correctly. That, I mean, who cares yeah. about those guys, right? <laughs> I mean, we just didn't take them seriously. <laughs> 
Um, and I think one message, too, um, that Bruce has used going into this game, a little off topic from what we were just talking about, is just the last time he had a number one team, they turned around and lost the next game. Yep. So. Oh. <laughs> the very next game on a Tuesday night on the road. I don't think that's happening tonight. Agreed. But definitely something to watch out for. They better Keep play it. good. That's all I'm saying. Back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins in the studio. If you want to call in, you haven't wished the man a happy belated birthday as well as a new era. Well wishes here on On the Line as he is the new co-host here on the show with me, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, with us here for at least the first hour here on the Tuesday edition of the show. Have talked a lot of basketball here to open up today's Tuesday edition. Talked a little bit about debunking things that have been said about this Auburn basketball team. Not nice things that have been said. The Kentucky fan base triggered right now, as well as previewed the Auburn-Missouri game tonight. I just Missouri and Ole Miss are two teams this year that I just don't want to touch in terms of predictions with a 10-foot pole because you just don't know what type of performance you're going to get from from the other team. And I, Missouri's a team that has the propensity to get hot. So I'm not saying that Auburn's in danger of losing tonight, but I definitely think it could be a little uncomfortable at times. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Missouri started out hot and Auburn was playing from behind for a little bit in tonight's game. I mean, honestly, outside of, like, Georgia, really every SEC road game you kind of go into. They're a threat. Just, yeah. I wouldn't say Missouri's a threat to lose, but like I said, Auburn could start slow tonight and – not not because of anything Auburn related, but just because Missouri could start that hot, just like they did against Alabama. I mean, they were up by double digits on Alabama this past weekend, and Auburn's not Alabama. I get that, but this is more about me saying Missouri can get just red hot, not miss a three. I mean, Ole Miss played a perfect half of basketball almost against Auburn a couple of weekends ago, and Ole Miss stinks, guys. Ole Miss is a bad basketball team. I'm just gonna I'm just laying it out there. They are the second worst team in the SEC right now. Yeah, and with Missouri, they're either really good or they're really bad. And I feel like that's what Auburn's going to have to deal with on the SEC road every single game. And I don't know. There's no threat to Auburn to lose tonight. You can put your life savings on it. Auburn's not going to lose. But <laughs> but Big words. Yeah, all right. There's my hot take. I know it's a day early, but here we are. <laughs> but, no, I Missouri could keep it close, especially the first half. Or like we talked about, Missouri – could come back and Auburn kind of blow a, a big lead late and when they have the bench in and that's you know that's something we Which could see the cover a little bit yeah that's something we could see but again Auburn's not going to lose tonight but they have to be ready on every SEC road game because you don't know what team you're going to get and what environment you're going to get as well Georgia was a three away from making a lot of people upset last week and I was waiting for Auburn to be on bad beats hey, with well, the way if, the game ended if they didn't give Kessler that buzzer beater um retroactively like the mm-hmm. beginning of the second half i think that would have um caused auburn to not cover if i remember correctly yeah because they had to go back and like look at it and then they ended up giving it to well, him yeah, didn't they? that was how much so did auburn win by this past weekend one by nine one by nine against kentucky which yeah. they covered they were four and a half favorites they covered and so tonight they're it's at 13 and a half right oh, now but that buzzer beater was the georgia game well, yeah, yeah, that's no, right. I, I was, My bad. Was, no, you're good. I was just flashing back to that one. Yeah, you're right. If they didn't do that, they, Auburn might have not have covered. It might have mm-hmm. been wow. Yeah. No, For some reason, was I was situ- thinking the Kentucky game was where the buzzer. Beater I don't remember happened. what the line was exactly, but if they like, if they didn't go back and re- give him that bucket because they gave it to him, took it away, and then gave it to him again at the beginning of the second half. If they didn't do that, Auburn wouldn't have covered that game. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Props to SEC refs this past week. They weren't horrible. 
in Auburn games. Now, I can't speak for the rest of the league. I'm sure everybody else had things to groan about, but Auburn shot 28 free throws against Kentucky to their 10. So Auburn fans cannot gripe about this past weekend in Auburn Arena. And then not saying that it was skewed in Auburn's direction because Auburn took a Auburn, Auburn did not shoot a lot of threes on Saturday. They definitely were the more aggressive team, I think, in terms of attacking the bucket. But against the Georgia game, I don't think it was horrible either. I mean, there were some things where I was like, refs are going to ref. But this past week, I I didn't grow too much. But I have <laughs> I've been upset a lot this year. I thought refs did a fine job this past week. In the Kentucky game, the only thing I'll say, there was a time slot where – the refs, I would say, gave Kentucky three straight possessions on missed calls on out-of-bounds and some foul calls, but it was only like a minute long that gave Kentucky three, basically three straight possessions. But other than that, I mean, no, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't terrible. So We have seen, seen worse. worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've seen a lot worse. And, man, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> the Alabama uh, game. Refer- yeah, and officials have the hardest job in sports, man. They really do. But at that point, you gotta you got to be good at what you do, and you got to get it right. But More they haven't been not. good. I understand that they've got a hard job, but they haven't been good. And there's some no. things that we can watch on television and be like, wow, like how did you miss that? Like there was a there was an instance last night in the Kansas Texas Tech game on an out of bounds play, yep. and the ball clearly came off of a Kansas player. They're like, nope, Texas Tech player touched it. I'm like, how? He's behind the Kansas player. What are you watching? <laughs> Nothing makes me more mad when they when they make a call and then they go to the monitor and they watch it and they look at it and they get word from wherever their headquarters is and then they still get the call wrong. I mean, that that there's no excuse for that. That makes me so mad, but, you know. On a technicality, too. So on a, a technicality, times, yep. Arkansas fans know about that. That's why they have hatred for Auburn like nobody else. Let's talk to Christian about what's going on in the Auburn sports world taking this in the football direction now and basketball recruiting too because there's a lot to talk about there but what's coming out from you that people can be looking out for on auburnsports.com yes we'll have some recruiting stuff because junior day is this weekend um, auburn tried to do two different junior days actually um, they tried to do one this past weekend is like an in-state exclusive one problem was it was alabama's junior day this weekend so everybody went to that because they were already anticipating coming to auburn's junior day this next weekend um, the weekend of the 29th oklahoma game so pretty much every just about every prospect in the state that's highly rated will probably be here this weekend um and guys from florida georgia just the area there's going to be a ton of kids here um and they'll be at the oklahoma game and stuff like that so it's going to be a huge weekend for the 2023 recruiting class the 2022 class um you know signing day is next wednesday um in terms of kids actually coming to visit that's pretty much over um and now it's just all about the coaches that are on the road Um, they're going to go visit trevante citizen um, and he was in for a visit last weekend, not Kentucky weekend, but the weekend before that, I want to say, or he was in during the week, but whatever it was, he was in recently. Um, and he was formerly an LSU commit and now it's really Auburn and LSU to try and land him next Wednesday. Um, there's kind of three main targets to look out for. And those are the guys that have visited recently. So citizen, um, Jack Pyburn, who has visited twice now, and that's Auburn or Miami. And he'll be announcing on February 1st. So next Tuesday, a week from now, and he's from Florida. He's from Florida, but he has Auburn connections. Um, I think it was his grandfather um, played baseball at Auburn and also played football, and then he went on to go play in the MLB. So he has Auburn connections. He's been to Auburn a couple times now. Auburn's coaches are going to visit him tomorrow, I believe. So and He's a guy that's kind of been ascending a little bit in terms of his recruitment. Yeah. It was pretty light early on, but he dropped his – I can't remember where he was committed to originally. but Minnesota. it was Yeah, so he drops his commitment to Row the Boat University and then – because he picked up some major offers you know, uh, since then. I mean, he's a guy whose recruiting ranking right now I mean, is, is near 
it's barely inside the top 1,000 in some recruiting services, I think. Where, where do you guys have him at on Rivals? Uh, I'm not sure he's ranked with us, but yeah. he's, he's just a three-star. But, but he's, he's getting some he's getting some love now. Like He's really he's, climbing. He's a guy who is better than his ranking suggests. Yeah, and he's one of those classic kind of like late risers that just pops up kind of late into the process, um, and teams start to pick up on him and really want him. And I know Auburn really wants him as kind of developmental edge guy that they can count on in a couple of years from now. Him so. and Powell Gordon. Yeah. Powell, they like more as a linebacker, actually, a little oh, bit. Really? Could uh, move inside? Yeah. Okay. But I think he's going to play edge. I got you. Um, but, and then the last one is Jalen Farmer, who visited this past weekend, Florida offensive line commit, but it's Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, or Mississippi State for him. Um, and so kind of those are the three names to really keep an eye on. Tay Woody as well, um, who's committed to Florida State, but I just don't think that's a situation where Auburn is pushing overly hard for him. So it's kind of those main three of – Pyburn, Farmer, and Citizen. Looking at Pyburn real quick, just a fun thing that I think Auburn should do when he makes a tackle. They need to have uh, Kelso from that 70s show shout burn over the loudspeakers when he makes a sack or something like that. That would be Is Auburn that, that cool, peak. though? Is Auburn no, that cool? they're no. not. <laughs> it takes them entirely too too long to play swag surf at all of the different sporting events, too, I think. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of things they could do that well, would be really intense. Apparently for the basketball game, they're trying. Uh, they're going to try and do the Malik Dunbar. It's about that time before a I game. Saw somebody I saw, that, I saw on that on Twitter. Yeah, they said, like, turn the lights out, like, Right before the tip-off, turn the lights out, and that just starts playing over the loudspeaker. That dude, that would be yeah. nuts. That would be so cool. That Auburn would get hyped for that. Well, the basketball SID Marlene said that they were thinking like that they have a special surprise coming up in terms of that. So, oh, look, that's got to yeah. be for the Alabama game. Look, that's bas- got to be. Basketball has been killing it. Like Marlene yeah. has been killing it. Between like they bought into the memes, like they post like give us your pregame memes. They yep. put like the peacock emoji in mm-hmm. there. They're all about it. Stuff at, like. This is one like quick side note from recruiting. Like everything about Auburn basketball this season, everyone has bought in. The fans have bought in. The fans on social media have bought in. The players have bought in. The coaches have bought in. The social media team has bought in. It has just been a complete buy-in into this team, and it's all coming together really, really well. This is exciting. I remember back to our conversations in the summer about the basketball team, and you're saying Steam's. Just as good as advertised, if not better. You were talking about Jamar Smith. Yeah. He's like, he's better than advertised. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I honestly never – I didn't think they would get to number one necessarily because it's. I thought they would rack up a loss here or there. But they've certainly exceeded even my really high expectations from the summer. And the biggest reason for that has probably been Walker Kessler. I mean, he's been a lot better defensively than even from what I saw in the summer. I mean, he's just a – He's just a force down there in the paint. His if, offensive game's really come along as well. Yes, I mean, that, he's now a force on that no, side of the basketball. Bruce talked about it a little bit after the Kentucky game. No one can stop the Wendell Green to Walker Mm-mm. Kessler lob Unstoppable. because someone has to stick with Jabari. And if you come off of Jabari a little bit, Wendell can kick it back out to Jabari for an open three. Which he's going to make. Yeah, and Jabari's the best three-point shooter on this team. So you can't do that. You have to either die by the Wendell Green-Walker Kessler lob or Jabari Smith, three. So And you take the lob every time because it's two points. Yeah, so good luck, other teams. I mean, uh, th- I don't know if there's a team that can stop it, genuinely. There's not. And here's the thing. Jabari Smith is the best player on this basketball team, but Walker Kessler is get, would be your MVP to this point in the season mm-hmm. because of everything he does on defense, that he alters shots, he blocks shots, he can – he rebounds can, he rebounds. He can come out and guard on a guard. If they get the switch on him, he can hold his own. I mean, he can't. 
I mean, and if you blow one. by him, his his length is able to get the chase down. Exactly. Block. So defensively, he does all those things, and then offensively, as we were just talking about the alley oops and offensive rebounds, and and just he's so good, and he does so much, and his progression from the last ten or fifteen games has just been astronomical it's I been amazing the last five games he's off the charts it's it's amazing he is the mvp of this team jabari is the best player obviously but walker kessler to this point is my mvp so far yeah i would agree with that i think he's the most important player on this team it where would they be without walker kessler they would still be an outstanding team but how much does this team change if you're playing they, small ball and start Jalen Williams at center or you're playing Dylan Cardwell at center? Who, they, to their credit, they're both very good, but where would you be without Walker Kessler? They've lost a few games if Walker Kessler's not here. Yeah, no now, they've lost a lot more games if Jabari Smith's not here. Yeah. So yes. I, th- I think it's very difficult to – for me, that's where I'm at. I'm like, if Jabari wasn't here, uh, this team's probably not number one in the nation either. So I think it's okay to also say that he's the MVP, but let's don't discount what Walker Kessler done because you need him. You do need them. I mean, everything has kind of mattered. Like, you have two different point guards that both transferred in. They're both extremely different players, but also very valuable. Um, You lose Desi Sills, and you instead end up with Katie Johnson. Um, Everything has worked out well for this team. And the no no drop-off, excuse me, no drop-off from the bench coming in. Like, when the starters come off the floor and the bench comes in, I don't really notice a drop-off. And that's unheard of in college basketball. He's got his rotation set up. Very nice. I'm glad he's not platooning. Uh, I at I one like point that. I yeah. thought that that it was possible for Auburn to platoon this year. I do not think that is Auburn that is in Auburn's best interest to platoon swap because I I do think the 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 secondary unit for Auburn although it can hold its own I don't think you want all five of those guys on the floor at the same time because they are more we have noticed this they are more turnover prone they're just not as as good at protecting the basketball they're a little bit more this probably isn't the right word but they're a little bit goofier less coordinated with the basketball. Um, in the front court, at least they are. I mean, Auburn's front court right now, the starters, they are very coordinated. They have great ball handling. You get to the entire to the entire bench unit, it's not nearly as good from a ball handling standpoint. So I like how Bruce has has mixed and matched the rotations to where he's not necessarily going ten or eleven deep all the time, but he does get them all into the game I mean, throughout. It's always like nine deep though. Yeah, like maybe eight, but like really, it's nine. But always. Either Walker Kessler or Jabari Smith is on the floor. It's rarely ever that both of those guys are off the floor. And there may be a stretch or two in the game where there's a couple of minutes, but it's not for long periods of time. You don't see nothing against Jalen Williams or Dylan Cora. They're good, but once again, they're not they're not going to shape the game on their own, right? And you don't want either one of those players off the floor for an extended period of time. Most of the time, at least one of them is on the floor at all times. And even at that, they're still managing the minutes really well. Yeah. I mean, against Kentucky, Kentucky had three players play 36 minutes or more. Um, and Auburn had KD with 33, Walker with 31, and Jabari with 30. And that's more than those guys usually play in mm-hmm. a game. So Unless there's foul trouble. That's the only point where we see those guys sit on the bench. And that's why was the point I was going to make is that's another thing that Walker has really improved on is not fouling. Because early on, he had a lot of foul trouble. He had to get taken out of the game early because of foul trouble and he's really really improved on that he's able to play defense and block shots without fouling it's huge basketball hijacked this segment when we come back we're going to talk (laughs) about football recruiting i promise stay tuned back on on the line wrapping up hour number one of the tuesday edition of the show got about five minutes left with christian clemente of auburnsports.com We'll leave what's on tonight for hour number two uh, because I want to soak up every minute we've got left with Christian Clemente with recruiting knowledge, football, what's going on. You you said there are three recruits left to look out for. 
Javante Citizen, Jack Pyburn, it is Jack, right? Yes. And then um, Jalen Farmer, the Florida commit right now. Let's take a look at each of these guys, where Auburn stands with him right now. Javante Citizen is the one that everybody wants to know about. Yeah, he's the big one. He's the top 100 running back, um, previously committed to LSU, but LSU is still the main major player um, going up against Auburn. Um, he visited Auburn and LSU both last week. Um, Auburn, I think LSU visited him yesterday. Auburn's visiting him today. Um, I mean, he's the big name, and we've known that since the early signing day. It's like, okay, well, Trevante Citizen's still on the board. How do you end this class with a bang? You get Trevante Citizen, and they're trying extremely hard, and if they're able to do that, it's going to be because of Cadillac Williams and the relationship that he's built there. He's done a fantastic job going into the state of Louisiana, working really hard to build that relationship with Citizen, and now... I mean, they're right at the home stretch. They have a fantastic opportunity to finish this, but it's going to be tough, man, because Brian Kelly and LSU are doing the exact same thing. They want him really badly. And there's a quicker path to playing time at LSU right now. Yeah. There's not a Tank Bigsby. Well, they got Noah Kane out of Penn State. 2.7 yards per game. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, no, but I get what you're saying. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, both teams really, really want him. Florida and Miami are also involved, but it's really just Auburn and LSU battling it out for him right now. Um, and but he'll be the he would be the guy at Auburn, I think. After Tank, I just I, nothing against Jarquez. This is just how I view Jarquez. He he probably will be the starter, but I, I see a running back by committee at Auburn in the future where these guys are going to get the lead. T- the lead back will get 15 carries, and that's about it. Yeah, I, I mean that's what that. they did with Tank this year. You know, I mean, I mean I, realistically, let's say you do get Citizen, and you're looking ahead to next season. You know, after Tank is gone. You'd have Jarquez, Damari Austin, and Trevante Citizen. All three are very talented, and all three are deserving of about an equal amount of carries probably. Now, with that said, this staff thinks Trevante Citizen is an absolute baller. Like, they think he is a plug-and-play. He could come in and play right away as a freshman and, like, be a starter. That's not going to be the case if Auburn were to get him because they do have Tank Bigsby, but... But they see him that way in two years. Yeah, they think he is an absolute stud. And that's why some folks may not like what I'm saying here because I, I like Jarquez a lot. But I, I don't envision Jarquez being the it guy in this running back room in the future. And I don't think that – I mean, if they get Trevante Citizen. Now, if they don't, then I could see it. But at this point, I, I think his skill his his skill set as a running back doesn't necessarily fit the scheme. I agree. I don't I mean, mean that in a negative way. Yeah, I agree. I, and I like Jarquez Hunter. He's a great athlete, but I agree. I just – I don't see him being number one on this roster I when see it comes him to being the used back. and used. a valuable player but I, I don't know I, I obviously they're looking for Javante Citizen they want an it guy at running back that's kind of that one cut speedster that's got a little bit more in his arsenal than what Jarquez has shown at this point would yeah. they use Citizen like in the passing game more do you think since they think he is such a stud I mean I is mean, that something they would probably do or no uh, in your opinion if they get him they're going to find a way to get him on the field next year whether that's passing running whatever they're going to find a way to get him on the field Pyburn Auburn, Miami, where are we feeling about the linebacker? Yeah, so um, FSU was a school to watch as well, but FSU didn't offer, so it's just Auburn-Miami. He was going to commit on the 27th of January. Now he's going to do it next Tuesday. But I I think Auburn's probably in the driver's seat here just by a little bit. I mean, he's got connections to Miami, being from Florida and whatnot, but he's been to Auburn a couple times now. He went for an official visit. He came back for an unofficial for the Kentucky game, which – you can't get much better of an atmosphere than that. Um, I don't know if he got to see the tents and all that, but um, just absolutely incredible visit weekend for recruits to be here. I would lean Auburn, but not by a whole lot. That's a really, really tight battle going into his commitment. 
moving away from Jalen Farmer because I know you don't know a whole lot about that situation. It's kind of hard to gauge where he's, he's at. He's just a very quiet kid yeah. that doesn't really like to talk as much, which is fine. Basketball recruiting because that was off the chain this past weekend. Like you just said, man, Jungle City created an environment that there were a lot of basketball recruits, and the Kentucky game at Auburn is going to be like Auburn-Alabama in football. Yeah, um, they had Jacoby Walter in. He's the number 50 player in the class of 2023, um, and he was in for an official visit, so he was there on Friday. They took him out to go see the tents on Friday. He went to the game on Saturday, said it was just an absolutely crazy game, crazier than he could have ever really expected. Um, and he's cousins with former Auburn guard Doc Robinson, who was the celebrity letter holder. Oh. So you want to see the connection there? Because, yeah, they got, you know, Tank was the celebrity letter holder against Georgia. Right. It's like, oh, that's, you know, that's chef's kiss. Like, that was a perfect move by Auburn. Well, you're kind of wondering, okay, well, you know, why is Doc Robinson celebrity letter holder against Kentucky? Not that he's not a big name or whatnot, but why'd they do that? He's cousins with Jacoby Walter, who was on an official visit. Incredible planning by Bruce. I did think that was out of left field, but wow. That's genius, man. Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire first hour of the show. If you missed any of his great nuggets, go and find him on AuburnSports.com as well as go and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back with hour number two coming up at 3 p.m. Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you missed any of the show so far today, you missed a good one. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com was with us for the first hour. If you missed it, go and find the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. It's how you can listen to our show. We're going to start off hour number two, as we do every day, with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. All right, starting off hour number two with a basketball headline. Walker Kessler was named co-SEC Player of the Week with Arkansas's doppelganger of Jalen Williams. And Jabari Smith was named SEC Freshman of the Week for their performances against Georgia and Kentucky. We were talking a little bit in the previous hour about MVPs of this Auburn basketball team, and these two players come to mind instantly. It can't be anyone else. It's these two guys. They are the ones that... I don't want to say carry this basketball team, but have the biggest impact of this They're the difference team. makers. The they difference are makers. what takes Auburn from being a five seed in the NCAA tournament to being a one seed. These guys, and in basketball, one player can make that dramatic of a difference. I took a sports economic class and kind of getting into talking about labor and how many employees it Mm -hmm. takes and how you can even have too many employees right and then taking that same concept and applying it to sports in terms of superstars how many superstars does it take to reach the level that you want to whether and there are differing degrees of success in sports I'm convinced that some 
teams out there, some franchises out there at the professional level, it's not necessarily monetarily valuable for them to necessarily be competing competing for a championship every year because your payroll might exceed what you can actually bring in from your market. I don't want to get too far off of here, but I'm, I'm saying that you need some superstars. You need some it guys to take you over the hump, and Auburn has some guys that push them over the over the edge. Well, they've got two of them. Jabari Smith yeah. and Walker Kessler and that's why they're making these lists every single week of players of the week freshman of the week because they make the biggest impact on this Auburn team and I said it in the first hour Walker Kessler is the MVP so far of this Auburn basketball team Jabari Smith is playing on another level and he's the go-to guy when you need a bucket but what Walker Kessler's doing defensively and offensively it can't be matched by anybody on Auburn anybody in the SEC or by anybody in the country he keeps his team together and he's what puts them over the top Jabari could take this team to the sweet 16 possibly elite eight but with Walker Kessler on the floor along with everybody else that's why this team's favored to win the national championship and likewise I think you need Jabari Smith and my counterpoint to that is what would Auburn be without Jabari Smith right now I mean you can't have the team where it's at right now without both guys I, I think it's both I agree it's both of them yes but and it's interesting to you know to debate and talk about okay well if you took Jabari Smith off this team where would they be or if you took Walker Kessler off this team where would they be they would both be good teams but now together this is what makes them great that's what makes them great it was like what Christian was talking about in the first hour about the pick and roll game with why it's been so effective with Walker Kessler it all of a sudden that becomes less effective with Walker Kessler with Wendell Green in the pick and roll lob game that becomes less less effective if Jabari Smith is not on the floor because now all of a sudden you need that there's a down screen there is an extra screener and and you saw this in the Kentucky game if you were watching on television um Bill Raftery was breaking it down and uh, in this specific instance it was Devin Cambridge so you have an extra guy in the lane that's screening and it requires you to bring someone else off uh, it requires you to bring an extra defender off of someone else and in this particular case in these plays it requires you to take your defender off of Jabari Smith and so you got to choose between your poison is either Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler. And oftentimes they're choosing Walker Kessler as their poison. And it's, it's impossible to defend at this point. If Jabari Smith's off the floor, well, they may take their poison as whoever's shooting that three, right? But Jabari Smith shoots 45% from three. So people don't want to take the 50-50 odds that you're about to take a three than a two, right? And so I, I think you're, you're, you're right on right there that all, you need both. They make each other better than what they already are individually. Yeah, and Christian made the the great point that when they do that pick and roll, somebody has to stay with Jabari. You have to. And even if you got a guy on him, he's there's still a 50% chance he's going to make the, the shot anyway, which is insane. And who's to say that he doesn't drive with an open lane to the bucket with no defender in front of him, he right? Doesn't, he doesn't do that enough, which is scary. Yeah. He settles for jumpers, but he can make jump shots. A lot of his shots are bad shots for anybody else but Jabari Smith. It's unbelievable. On top of that, if you leave Jabari open, if you try and recover, somebody else is going to be open. Then the extra pass, right? I mean, somebody's going to be open. If you leave someone, the more people that you have to – take to to affect walker kessler on this specific play the the somebody else is going to be open on the floor whether it's jabari or not but once again and, and i think you and i are right on it saying this they make each other better than what they are individually I, I i think they you know jabari would be an amazing talent individually and i i think it's easy to say you know i, I agree with you in that walker kessler takes this team to another level but i also think Jabari can be Jabari's an MVP of this team too because if without Jabari Auburn doesn't beat Kentucky on Saturday and I completely agree I completely agree and but that's what takes this team from great to borderline unstoppable 
is yeah. that when both of them are on the floor together, uh, together, it's 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 lit- nobody's been able to stop it yet. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. And I, I say that that Auburn should run with Wendell Green and Walker Kessler, run the pick and roll, lob and jam every single play until somebody proves they can stop it. Because as of right now, you can't throw the ball up eleven feet in the air, and Walker Kessler is the only person that can touch it. So why not do it until somebody stops it? It may be boring. It may be, you know, it's not pretty at times i guess but if it works if it ain't broke don't fix it still talking about this auburn basketball team once again walker kessler named co-sec player of the week jabari smith named sec freshman of the week this basketball team is so deep it's so talented and i love talking about the discussion of you know you know who could be the mvp of this team and 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 how much that those two not that they need each other to be great on their own but the team needs them uh, to to both be on the floor that they're so much better together. I mean, the, the compliments that this team has, it's so well fleshed out. Everything is working so well together. The chemistry is there. And it's there from all, what, eight, nine, ten guys that play on the team, whether they're starters or come off the bench. Everybody, Everybody's connected. It seems like they're all playing on the same string. Nobody, When somebody comes in, there's no drop-off. The and pieces about fit that, so well together. The puzzle is completely made, and this thing, it's, it's an animal right now. And both of those guys are deadly assassins on their own. And Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler together, borderline unstoppable. There's no other way to put it. Going back to what I was talking about with sports economics and, and what I took in college on that is – you know, sports economics is literally the study of making decisions in sports, right? And so that can go to, to anything. It can, it can go to business decisions. It can go to you know, front office decisions and whatnot. We covered a lot of different things. And I don't claim to be an expert or anything like that. I'm just calling on something that I learned in school, right? But we were talking about superstars and how you can have too many. Look at the NBA right now, right? Look at the Los Angeles Lakers. They got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. That team is below 500. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that team is below 500. At some point, I mean, you need... Sometimes at some point you got too many leaders, you don't have enough, you know, people that can follow them, right? You don't have enough supporting them, and Auburn has just the right mix of superstar talent and then supporting staff on the team, and they're all good with their role, right? Like we have talked a bit about, you know, it's crazy to not see Chris Moore playing, considering he was a four-star recruit and he's had to wait his turn but like he's been they're all extremely supportive you've seen videos of what this team is in the locker room right at halftime of the Kentucky game and who are the two players that don't play hardly at all but who are the first two players to speak Chris Moore and Stretch exactly I mean everybody fulfills yep. their role I mean this team has the right mix they've got it like th- this team is it's the best team in the country and I, I don't see how people can take shots at it right now and attacking its credibility and what it's done to this point you're just not watching or you're just a hater and that's so special to have when you have guys on the bench that don't play, doesn't even log a minute in the game, but yet they're the most hyped up, supportive players on the basketball team. <clears throat> that is, it's unheard of. And when you have that, that's when you know you have a special team. That's when you know you have a special group of guys. And that's when you know that a team as a whole is a team. They're not individual players. They're ready to play as a team and make a run in March. Next headline, Auburn on the road tonight. It's a game where Auburn needs to show up and play, play well. They don't have to play outstanding. They are better than the Missouri in all aspects of the game, in athletics and just basketball skill and as a team as a whole, better coach, everything. Auburn needs to show up, play a good game, and just come home with a win. I mean, that's all there is to it. Possible reasons for concern. Missouri 
shooting the basketball. We talked about it in the first hour. When Missouri shoots the ball well, I know this is kind of dub, but when Missouri shoots the ball well, they, they play really well and they compete with teams in the SEC. And they're really spotty when it comes to their consistency and they're shooting the ball. But if they can come out and knock down 10 or 15 threes tonight, they'll stay, they can hang with Auburn if they can do that. That's the only reason I would have any concern for Auburn. It's just keep Missouri down and out early. Well, I talk about the difference that Missouri has been in conference play as opposed to you look at their entire season statistics, and that's what's startling. They've played six games in the SEC, and then you look at what they were. It, it's, it, this is not the difference between non-conference and conference. This is the difference between conference and what they've been the entire year. So that's conference plus non-conference playing. You break down the statistics, and it's crazy to me to see that across the entire year, once again, that's non-conference play plus conference play across the entire year, they're outside the top 300 in both three-point categories, whether it be offensive three-point percentage or in terms of how you defend the three-point line. But in conference play, they're top five in the SEC in both of those categories, in just SEC games. That tells you how different this team has been and the propensity that they have. In conference play, this has been a wild-card team. When they are not on, they are terrible. They, they, may yeah. be, they, they give Georgia a run for their money for how bad they can be when they're at their worst or when they're off. But when they are on, this team has shown the ability to to push some good basketball teams, if not beat them. And that's what Auburn needs to be aware of when they go into Como tonight, Columbia, Missouri. That's what they need to know is that this team the, in the Missouri Tigers is a team that can hang with people in the SEC when they want to. Now, what team's going to show up from Missouri? We're not going to know until tip-off. But Auburn is the better team. They're favorite to win. They should win. But you can't – you're on a road game in the SEC. Don't take it for granted because you never know – What's going to happen? You never know what team's going to show up. So Auburn better be ready to play Missouri tonight. And I don't think they are, and that's what we were talking about with Christian. I know you don't think that they'll do that either. It's just important to bring these things up. We want people to know and educate people about who Auburn's opponent is tonight. You know, I, It's fun to talk about Auburn and to talk up Auburn all the time, but mm -hmm. they are playing a good a team that can be good tonight. They can also be very, very bad. It could be, it could be horrendous, and I think Auburn should win tonight. And you talk about the line, Auburn's 13-point favorites. Auburn should cover that tonight, but I would not be shocked if Missouri came in with a late three at the end and Auburn only won by 12, right? Missouri is yeah. a team that I would avoid like the plague. If I was into all that stuff, if I did that stuff, um, you know, I, I would avoid that team like the plague. Wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole because you just don't know what Missouri you're going to get. And yeah. I, I don't mean for that to be cl cliche and talking about this game. I can tell you this, definitively, this is a team that is below average at everything that they do. They don't do anything well other than occasionally they get hot from three and they got one guy who can go off. Other than that, this is a Conzo Martin team that is on a cycle like it is every, you know, every three, four years. They're going to have a team that can go to the NCAA tournament. They're going to be a, a top six team in the SEC, but even those years like they were last year because that's what they were last year, they were a very disappointing team. Yeah. They were a very disappointing team last year for even being a tournament team this squad this year it's now reverted back to the beginning of the cycle where they're just bad they, they just don't have anything they just don't have it going on and it seems like when they make the tournament they're always around that eight or nine seed every single time yeah. they're always that middle of the pack seed when it comes to the NCAA, the NCAA tournament it won't be this year do you remember they were one of the top 16 seeds last year when I they do that. the release the yeah. preview of the bracket and yeah. I was like no way no this way. team is not that good and then obviously they stunk by the end of the year I mean yep. and, it, and it happens that the Conzo Martin teams they just play a gross offense of style of basketball it's, it's, it's so much slower and if you're not a, an efficient team with that, that brand of basketball 
you're going to get beat by a lot of schools because you just don't have enough field goal. You don't have enough possessions. You don't have enough field goal attempts to make up for the misses. And this is the team, remember, a couple weeks ago, news broke that Missouri fired Conzo Martin in the middle of the season, and then they had to come back and say that that wasn't true because he wasn't fired. So that's just more controversy within their own program, which I don't understand how that happens. The Some, you know, fake news i guess broke that he was fired and then missouri had to come out and say no he's still with the program it was after a bad loss i forget which one it was but that's just kind of the things that are going on with this missouri tigers program but here's the thing they can shoot the three when they want to and they're playing at home and auburn's playing an sec road game it's a game that you can't look take for granted don't overlook it come out and play your best game you're the number one team in the country prove it and he's a good coach I like Conzo Martin I mean you, I'm looking at his head coaching resume right here and I, and I want to point out how cyclical it is for for him and across his coaching career I mean at Missouri State he goes 11 and 20 24 and 12 and 26 and 9 this is way back in the late 2000s early 2010s he then gets his first big job at Tennessee and look at what happens at Tennessee he goes 19 and 15 20 and 13 24 and 13 steady build up right there to making the NCAA tournament in his last season all of a sudden that's his last year somehow he goes to Cal, 18-15, and 15, 23 and 11, 21 and 13. You're, you're seeing double-digit losses in every single season on his resume. There's a lot of inconsistency there with some good seasons baked in, right? And in his three years at Cal, only went to the tournament one time. You look at what he's done at Missouri, 20 and 13, 15 and 17, 15 and 16, 16 and 10 this past year, another 8 and 10. I mean, there's just a lot of inconsistency baked into it. There's some good years in between, and they always play hard. That This is not a team that's given up by any means, and that's why I think Auburn should be aware of a, not a potential upset tonight, but this one, like I said, Missouri could start hot tonight, and Auburn fans looking around like, why does this keep happening? It's like Auburn's going to get the best shot from every team that they play this year because of the number beside their name. Yep, that's, you nailed it right there. Auburn is going to get everybody's best shot, best game, every single night they come out and play on the floor and that's what that's part of the territory that that's what comes with being the number one team in the country so Auburn has to be ready to play the best version of the basketball team that they're playing that night and it's no different tonight in Missouri third headline under making headlines here to start off hour number two Alabama take it on Georgia on the road they're the undercard to Auburn's game tonight on SEC Network they're at 5 30 they're looking for revenge for the national championship game that probably is on their mind I would yeah, imagine. I'm sure it is. The basketball team I mean, doesn't care that much, but they're probably like, yeah, yeah. let's get them back. Let's stick it to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, that's... George that's is like, like, ooh, you got me. We're 5-80. and 80. <laughs> We don't care. <laughs> you know, Basketball? But, what's yeah. that? They didn't even know it was basketball season, I don't think. But Who's Tom Crean? <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's one of those games that is... I think it's going to be ugly to watch. I'm going to be really honest. Um, I would... Isn't every think, Georgia basketball game ugly to watch? Yes, and Alabama games at times as well. And that's a game that Alabama should win. And if they lose, they are they should really look into so themselves. You say that, but I, I could see Alabama losing this I, game tonight. I could too. That's, it's on that's the, road. the problem. Yeah, it's the SEC. I have a hard time believing Georgia's going to go winless in conference play. Yeah, I mean, you get a poor shooting performance from Alabama on the road, which happens a lot this season. Georgia, believe it or not, I mean, you br- and I broke this down on last week's show. Georgia offensively, that's not the problem with the team. They're still going to score. They're going to get to the seventies. Defense is what's atrocious with them. They're giving up over eighty points a game in conference play. It's horrible. Uh, get this, Jacob. Opponents score at in, inside the two point percentage. Opponents score sixty percent against Georgia. Jeez, sixty percent. That's that's giving away two-point buckets. <laughs> that's a recipe for a disaster, if you ask me. That, that's giving that's, away two-point buckets. That Yeah, I mean, 
Wow, that's that's a lot of layups. That's what that is. It's well outside the top 300. I mean, that's of, horrible. A lot Dead of dunks last. and layups that they're giving up. Probably in transition. And in transition, you know, that's one thing. But if you're if you're giving up dunks and layups in the half-court offense, you've got some problems because that's not supposed to happen. They've actually got some offensive players that can play. And if you watch the Auburn game, I mean, you know that. I mean, they got some guys who can play on offense. Uh, Aguindo, I mean, they, they've got some players that can play. The offense isn't necessarily the problem. It's just the defense is so bad that the offense can't make up for it. The offense is average. And an average offense is not going to make up for an atrocious defense. But Alabama may solve that for you tonight if they shoot the basketball poorly. You may not have to play great defense. Right, exactly. And, and But the problem is, if you have a bad defense, Alabama's not a team that you want to play poor defensively because if you let them Because if they're on, then it's going to be annihilation. Exactly. If you start letting them make shots and get hot early – it's over. Alabama's got the skill players and the shooters to do it. They just haven't proved it yet this year. So, and this, and unfortunately for Auburn fans, this may be the game that Alabama finds their groove. I could see that easily tonight. Alabama go in there, they put a hundred points on the dogs and find their their and three they point did that stroke. Last year against Georgia, yeah, exactly. And last Al- year's Georgia team was better than this year's Georgia team, not it, by much, but not by much. And Alabama comes to Auburn next week, so this could be a huge game for Alabama to go out and find their stride offensively against a very, very poor defense in the Georgia Bulldogs. Likewise, as inconsistent as Alabama's been, you and I also see the ability for this to be a game where they go into it asleep and they don't play well and then they get upset. Which is very well could happen. Um, a nasty game. It's early, though. What, 5.30 tip-off on SEC Network? So, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's going to be tuned in, waiting for Auburn to come on, and it's going to be it's either going to be a blowout or it's going to be real sloppy down the stretch. Last headline here that I want to go over. Tom Brady may very well be considering retirement after his latest comments about family. It's, it feels different this go around with Tom Brady t- mulling retirement. Of course, you hear when, when you ask a quarterback about, you know, when, when's the end coming, right? A lot of them will say, well, we're just going to take it day by day. I'm obviously evaluating my decisions. I'm going to talk to my family, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get, the, you get the coach speak. But then you hear the comments that he made on his podcast, and you see some of these tweets that have been coming out recently about things that he's mulling over. It's like, oh, this is serious. It's, it's getting real. It really is. And it's hard to fathom because Tom Brady has played in the NFL for my entire life. I mean, well, he also just led the league in several passing statistics. It, it doesn't, he has yeah. not hit the proverbial cliff. We haven't seen really any decline out of Tom Brady other than there's some things that you can look at if you just watch the game. You're like, yeah, he's not doing physically some of the things that he could do 10 years ago, but he's still leading the league in passing categories. It obviously hasn't mattered in terms of his play. Yeah, and in the, he had one of the best regular seasons that he's ever had in his whole career. But if you watch that playoff game last weekend, he just missed throws that he normally doesn't miss and just plays that he can make with his arm standing in the pocket. He's just not making them anymore. And what I had heard and what I was told to believe coming into that game was if the Bucks had gone on to win the Super Bowl, Tom Brady was done, was my understanding of it from within the team and the organization if the Bucs had gone on to win a Super Bowl Tom Brady was going to retire now they have a first round exit so I would think it's a real consideration the dude's 40 something years old he's got kids he's made enough money to survive for the next but three we know generations it's not about the money it's with not Tom about Brady. the money exactly so it it's going to come down to whether he feels that he can still compete and win a Super Bowl because if he doesn't he'll call it quits can he I don't see why the Bucs can't, right? The, NF- the NFC yeah. is tough at the top. The NFC has some some nasty teams at the top, but it's better than playing in the AFC right now because the AFC is just cannibalizing itself and beating up on it. I mean, both divisions, really, man, I mean, this is the toughest I've seen on both sides of, of 
the NFL right now in terms of the AFC and the NFC it feels like this year was really even yeah and it's been the most competitive it's been in a long time and the Bucks, of course they had a lot of injuries coming into the playoffs a lot of playmakers for Tom Brady have been out most of the season especially coming into the playoffs so can he still compete and win a Super Bowl yeah I think he can he's the greatest of all time he's the best to ever do it so physically I think he's still got enough left in the tank mentally he obviously he knows what he's doing he's he's Tom Brady but it's whether the team could put enough weapons around him to make it happen because here's what it is he needs more help now than he did before just because of being older I mean it's just part of the game I also think he might want to be a dad yeah at some point right yeah exactly I mean there's nothing wrong with going out the greatest of all time going home and and being a dad to your kids for you know the rest of your life so let's take a quick break here when we come back I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers I want to. I, I know you've got some thoughts on that. I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers coming up. We'll finish up making headlines when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner with you and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun show so far today. We had Christian Clemente for the first full hour. If you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Talked a lot about Auburn basketball in the first hour. Special team all coming together at just the right time everybody's balled in something different about this basketball team this year we're gonna head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 is the number that you can reach us by here on on the line and we got terry with us terry how's it going my man it's been a little bit great no how you doing man i'm doing good i'm back i'm back from being sick it's good to be back in the studio great great to have you hey jacob how you doing i'm doing good man how you doing doing well doing well i disagree with you but i think tom brady will come back I think if they can just keep some guys healthy at receiver and not, not make any bozo decisions by signing guys like Antonio Brown. <laughs> but that, that's what they – as far as the basketball team, guys, you know what the greatest thing about them being ranked number one is? What is it? It takes, it, it takes the huge attention and distraction off the, off the Mickey Mouse football program and Brian Harson's attempted destruction of the football program. I wouldn't say it's an attempted destruction, but it is nice to enjoy something and to see it excel at the highest level rather than – only bring us grief and frustration. So I'm with I you. I mean, there. I'm t- I get tired of people abu- uh, uh, disagreeing. They can disagree with me all they want, but but what I say is fact, and the fact is they had a losing season. They did. I mean, the fact, and the, what I say is facts. Yeah, the, they, they did have a losing the best season. Receiver on the team left the team. Uh, he blew leads at 25 point lead at home. He lost to an inferior team in South Carolina. He, the, I'm not into moral victories, guys, and some people are. I'm not either, and I and I think folks should expect Auburn to be great in football. I just think that there's a, there's a timetable there for Auburn to get there, and right, and it's not going to be as fast as, as you or, or, or most people want it. But I do agree with you, Terry. I, I, we want the same things. I want Auburn to be great in football. I just think it's going to take some time to get there. Well, I don't, I don't want great – now, greatness is, is fine. That's fantastic. But I want consistency, and I don't want consistency being five and seven. And Man, I don't think it will headed. be. And I, well, that's where they're headed. I mean, I don't uh, – again, if you, you know – uh, no, you've heard me say multiple times, I don't think Brian Harson wants to be at Auburn. I think he regrets taking the job, personally. That's just my personal observation, though. I don't have anything to back that up. That's just a personal personal feeling. Um, I just I just look at the guy that's learned, still learning how to coach in the SEC. He's ran off both of his coordinators now because he wanted something else. And that's fine. That's his decision as the head coach. That's why he makes the big bucks. But uh, I think there's a reasonably decent chance that they won't have to fire Brian Harson. He'll leave on his own. I just I just, I just – but you – guys – I made this point. In Pat Bass's first year and Tommy Tubbs' first year, they went five and six. But you've seen the way the program was headed. You didn't see that this year. And I don't want to hear about beating LSU because LSU wasn't very good. You saw it and for the first eight games. On, 
but then the last five games it went in a clear different direction I, i'm with I you know, it I definitely agree. feels different and you know what you blew a 25 point lead lost an inferior team and and couldn't couldn't close the deal in alabama Terry, we we uh we got to about go to break in about thirty seconds, so we're gonna let you go, my man. We appreciate the Take call. Care, guys. That was Terry on the line. So I mean, look, the the first eight games, like I said, the first eight games, it, it felt different. Things were going great. Nobody was complaining, right? And then the last five games, I mean, they lost five games in a row, and, it, and it's clear right now where you're, there's a fork in the road with Auburn football. And I've said this many times. I don't think you can, without a shadow of a doubt, say that it's going to be disaster next year. I don't think you can say without a shadow of a doubt that it's going to be positive. But one thing is for sure. It better start heading in the right direction because people are losing patience. And here's the thing. Got to give Harson the benefit of the doubt. He has the hardest coaching job in America right now. There's no doubt about it. Give him time. Give him time. The timetable is definitely a lot slower than people want it to be. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we talk Aaron Rodgers. More making headlines. We'll be back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Got about 25 minutes left in the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you on the show on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Still going along through making headlines. Just stuff going around in the sports world. We've moved to the professional level now. Talk a little NFL real quick. You're a Packers fan. Just getting everybody introduced to you. You're a Packers fan. Okay. Yes, I am. How do you feel about Aaron Rodgers right now? Look, here's the thing. I've been a Packers fan since 2010, okay? I started watching the NFL, 2010. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers won their first Super Bowl. So I hopped on, okay, bandwagon at the time. They haven't done anything since. Aaron Rodgers is 1-3 and three in NFC Championship games. The one time he won, he won the Super Bowl. I love Aaron Rodgers, man. I really do. I love him as my quarterback. I love him as a player. I will die on the hill that he is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game when it comes to skill level. When it comes to just him making plays and throwing the football, it's unheard of what he can do. But the problem is, he's only proven one time, 12 years ago, that he can win the big games and win at the top. Because he can win the regular season games. Uh, That's proven. They have one of the best records every year. But the playoffs comes up short every time. So I love Aaron Rodgers, but I think his time in Green Bay is limited, if not already over. Do you want to bring him back? I should would, Green Bay bring him back? I think they should because here, here's the I, reality. Yes. Everybody's chasing that Super Bowl, but unless you can get a quarterback in that you believe is going to win a Super Bowl, you bring Aaron Rodgers back because I'll tell you what's on the other side of this is not being the one seed in the NFC. It's fighting to make the playoffs. And look, you don't want to be where my franchise is at. You don't want to be where the Cleveland Browns are at, you know, you know, just wishfully hoping to try and make the playoffs. Right. You've got a ticket to the playoffs every year with Aaron Rodgers. You take that ticket because it gives you a chance to win a Super Bowl down the line. I yes. wouldn't just run the guy out of town because he can't win. Yeah, I mean, he, he can win. He's proven it before. It's just it's got to happen again. And there's two ways to go with this if you're the Packers. You either – give Aaron what he wants and try to commit to him for another year or two, get some more weapons and try to make one more run at this thing. Or you completely reset, trade him away for picks and completely rebuild and commit to a rebuild. There's no in between. So I don't know what they're going to do. I hope they bring him back because at the end of the day, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and they're going to have to figure something out, man. 10 points against the 49ers in the, in the divisional round is not okay. I mean, it's just not, Obviously, it's not going to get it done, and it didn't then. Still talking about other headlines going on today in the NFL. Sean Payton stepping down for the New Orleans Saints. 
Levi Fitzwater, obviously friend of the program. We'll have him on on Thursday for our Playing the Line segment with him. Levi, I asked him, I said, are you okay, man? He's a New Orleans Saints fan. I asked him, are you okay? He says, I'm not okay. Uh, this this came out of left field for me, man. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting this to today on a Tuesday, but I mean, I think it's been coming for a while, especially with the Saints just questionable quarterback situation that they've had ever since Drew Brees has gone. And I saw a thing today. Yes, Drew you Bre- could become the Saints. Yeah, exactly. You want to bring Aaron Rodgers back. Exactly. You could become the Saints. Because we have Jordan Love, which he's good, but he's not played Is enough. He, uh, do you know, know for no. sure? And that's what I was going to say. He hasn't played enough to where we don't know what Jordan Love is. But here's the problem with the Saints. Sean Payton's now gone. Drew Brees is now gone. And there's still $75 million over the cap. Yikes. That's bad. They have a lot of money that they're trying to make up for but i think it's been coming for a while i mean ever since drew Brees left things have been they kind of had going a heck downhill. of a run but this is probably the end of said He's, run he now. was there for what 16 years now at, at new orleans so i think it's okay there's some rumors about him going to dallas i'm not sure if there's any any wherever sean payton that, goes that team that franchise instantly becomes better for it they instantly become a better franchise the dude can coach there's yeah. no doubt about it but i think maybe the time has just ran its course in new orleans and i think they probably felt the same way well i think he may see the sinking ship not saying that he's abandoning new orleans or anything like that but look there's only so much that the saints can do from a creative standpoint to manage that money to move it around they, they were super creative this past year to stay above water right but with the shaky situation that they've got a quarterback and Jameis Winston look I'm not saying that it's a failed experiment by any means and I think he can win some games but like he he's not a he's not a 13 win quarterback he's not a 12 win quarterback at least not right now and if Sean Payton's looking around and saying look all of the weapons that I've got right now we can't even afford to pay it right now these guys are going to leave like this is going to get bad eventually and it's going to get bad before it gets better it's going to get bad it's going to get heinous before it gets good ever again in new orleans a rebuild is is coming up and sean payton may be like look i I don't want to do that again here i I don't maybe i want to go and try and win somewhere else at a place that maybe didn't quite achieve what they wanted to but they're already on their ascension or at least they're already They've already started their rebuild as opposed to the Saints who are going to begin one shortly. And that's probably what it's going to take if you're the New Orleans Saints franchise is you've got to realize, you know, read the writing on the wall and a rebuild is okay. It happens in the NFL. It happens in all professional sports. That's why we have a draft. And I think that's what it's going to take at quarterback, playmaker, everything for the Saints. And probably just if they commit to that, they'll be just fine. Well, what jobs are open right now in the NFL? You'll know this better than me. Help me here. I'm looking through the standings, places that would be great fits if they decided to make coaching moves and whatnot. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, in the NFL, of course, right now, Saints firing Sean Payton. And then you could really honestly say that the Dallas Cowboys job may be up for grabs because... But there are no other jobs open at this point, right? Or or am I just forgetting off the top of my head? Dolphins uh, Dolphins, Dolphins are open. That's right. Dolphins. Um, oh the Dolphins ooh, which is crazy interesting I New Orleans and Miami are not that far away I mean they are as far as drive time yeah. but like the Gulf man I mean you yeah. just hop on a boat I can't believe they they did what they did because I think Miami's going to be pretty good in the next few years they ended the season pretty hot I mean what they they started the season with seven straight losses and now they had then they had seven straight wins I mean that's pretty solid that's a that's a crazy turnaround Raiders are open Raiders are yeah yeah Raiders are open because they had the interim coach in there of course with all the the Gruden stuff but and that's a heck of a job 
in Vegas. I mean, they've got a team out there. I know they lost, but they've got a team Bears out there. Bears are open. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> that's just my, Vikings that's just my are opinion. Open. Yeah, that's not a bad job, I guess. You don't want him in your division. No. <laughs> no. I don't want Sean Payton in the in the NFC North. Cause are the, the Broncos open? Coach. Broncos were one of the first teams that came to mind. I was like, they're a team that's like there but not there, right? Like yeah. they need a quarterback, but they're a team that's there but not there. And they also compete at the same yeah. time. Like when you play Denver, you're like, crap, like we gotta play Denver this week. You know, nobody wants to play the Broncos. But no, there's some head coaching vacancies across the NFL. And I was gonna say Dallas too. I think that that job is if somebody if somebody like Sean Payton called up and said, Hey, I'm interested, I think they may listen because I didn't agree with the with the Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy to begin with because he was fired from Green Bay for a reason, and here we are. They've proven it. The Cowboys had probably the most talent in the entire NFL, and yet here we are, first-round exit yet again. There's some teams where I think it would work for Sean Payton where it's, he's definitely inheriting a better situation financially, a better roster and whatnot, a little bit more to work with. Denver is a team that comes to mind. It feels weird to say Sean Payton could be the head coach in Denver, but like yeah. – I don't know, man. I mean, I it's know. not as. I don't think it's as. It's not nearly as bad as a cap situation, and they compete, and they they're seven and ten in a tough division. Yeah, it does sound just a little weird, doesn't it? Sean Payton coaching the Broncos. I don't. And that's Sean not, Payton I coaching mean, anywhere but New Orleans, New Orleans sounds weird. Yeah, no, I agree. But there, the dude. I don't know how old he is. I don't. He's a younger ish guy. I mean, he's got coaching left in him. So I don't see this as the end for Sean Payton. Sean I, Payton is fifty eight years old. So he's got. I mean, he's got 10 years of coaching left in him, if, if of good coaching years if he is successful. Um, and it, it very well may be a situation where he takes a job, fails for two or three years, and then he calls it quits because maybe he's just not, you know, doesn't have it anymore whatever. But Sports Center recently tweeted out 14 minutes ago, this is what Sean Payton said. Sean Payton addressed what may be next in his career. Once again, this is via Sports Center. Quote, I still have a vision for doing things in football, and I'll be honest with you, that might be coaching again at some point. I don't think it's this year. That's not where my heart is at right now. Well, there you go. So, sounds like none of these openings. So, take a wow. year off. Take a year off and see what's going on after that. And that's not bad. I mean, the dude's been coaching for so long that take a break, man. I mean, he's got a family. So, we talked about it earlier with having families and stuff. So, with Tom Brady having a family, same thing. I mean, take a year off and and reassess after that. He's made enough money to where it's not a problem. Absolutely. Going back to talking about things in the Auburn sports world, we had Terry on the line with us in our last segment, and I meant to actually open up this segment with uh, letting you respond to some of Terry's call. You had some interesting points that you brought up to me during the break, um, and I always enjoy having Terry on the line if you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Terry was uh, saying that he, he just doesn't think this is a good fit between Brian Harson and Auburn, saying he doesn't think Brian Harson wants to be here. I don't believe that, but I know you've got some points to counter that as well. And I'll be honest, you know, Terry, if you're still listening, that's a take that I haven't heard yet. Is and he he was saying that just what he sees, Terry, he said he doesn't believe Harson wants to be at Auburn. And I'm gonna disagree with that because here's the thing. If Harson doesn't if he doesn't want to be at Auburn and doesn't want anything to do with the university, he wouldn't have gone out on Saturday morning to Jungleville, Jungle City, and walked through all the students, got them fired up for the game, and then go inside and sit in the student section and talk to everybody in the student section, high-fiving Aubie, and doing all those things that you do when you're a part of a university, part of a family. And that's my biggest thing. I think he – I still think Harson wants to be here. It's only been one year. But, you know, if that's if that's what Terry thinks, then that's, that's cool, man. I haven't heard that yet, but that's my take on it. I think Harson really wants to be here. I think he wants to be here too. And 
I think there's a lot of evidence for. I mean, when things were going great and Auburn was six and two, and sure we're we're a lot further away from that right now. But when they were six and two, and you see some of the videos that they were putting out of when Auburn won at LSU and how excited everybody's, everybody's slinging water everywhere and everything. I mean, you you think about that. You think about those moments. It's like guys are bought in, and he likes being here. And the guys coming back, the guys coming back, and all everybody buying into this program means that Brian Harson's bought into this program as well because all these players don't come back to play like this and play for a head coach if they know he doesn't want to be there. And the players read that better than anybody. Heading to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Ed is with us now. Ed, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing real well. Uh, okay, I, I was just going uh, to – two things. Uh, well, it, it, I'm going to tell you, it's really good whenever y'all come on because it is sickening to listen to this station uh, from 11 till 2 and listen to that Bama guy, you know. <laughs> well, we uh, appreciate your love, Ed. I, I love y'all. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I just want to send a little love out for, you know, Auburn basketball – and, uh, and and as far as Harson, I you know I, I, I I'm I'm like y'all I guess I, I want to believe everything I want to just grab it and believe it but I don't know but guys we've got to address the defensive line situation and and, and how he handled his defensive if he was going to promote Smetting from the first that couldn't have been his plan or he wouldn't have done it he wouldn't have waited so long uh, uh and, and defensive line you know I, I mean how big are you guys y'all still got any eligibility is you don't want me on the defensive line ed <laughs> oh, well you know they might <laughs> they do need bodies but uh, you would not want me on the defensive line and i can't <laughs> i can't do anything either i'm 5'10 and 155 pounds they don't want me out there at all that gun, you get out there and you, you try. Anyway, guys, uh, worry a lot. I, I'm worried about. I'm worried about the recruiting part of it, as far as the line on both the offensive lines. They're worried about too. But uh, as far as whose hearts in it, I don't know. You, you know, but worry, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Worry to you as well, Ed. We appreciate you calling in three three four three two one thirteen ninety for anybody that wants to call in. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that you got to get better production out of the defensive line. You know, I, I don't expect there to be too much. I don't, I don't expect there to be different bodies on the defensive line this year, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I like Colby Wooden back. I think Colby Wooden's a great one, run stopper. Um, I like Derek Hall back. I, th- I think he had his moments this year. I also think they had their moments where they all disappeared, right? Um, there's a lot to like about how Auburn stops the run. As far as a pass rush is concerned, though, and, and part of that may have just been scheme and, and been a Derek Mason issue because we saw a full 180 in terms of their blitz percentage in the Iron Bowl and how much Auburn was blitzing, and we saw what bringing four or five guys could do for the Auburn pass rush because they were finally able to get some one-on-ones. You bring three all game long, some of these, I mean, yeah, the two of them are double teamed. If, if five guys are blocking three, two are double teamed, and one of them is in a one-on-one, and you're not going to win that one-on-one every time. I mean, it's a... I don't think Derek Mason did this team any favors with his scheme from a blitz perspective. Now, also, if you look at the stats from a blitzing perspective, I mean, Auburn did get the job done, I think, for the most part this year defensively. In about eight or nine games this year, Auburn got the job done defensively. Three games they didn't, and it cost them in those three games. 
there's no doubt and i know we're journalism majors but we can figure out 3v5 is not that's not a I recipe can do math. for success yeah i took cal so, one at auburn and got an a <laughs> and so but you're right in the iron bowl they switched everything up they brought pressure they brought more guys and they got a bunch of sacks and it worked and that's why auburn's defense just got destroyed in games this year especially mississippi state where they just let guys stand back in the pocket and have all day long to throw the football i mean the best game of penn state quarterback why am i forgetting his name Sean Clifford, the best game of his career was against Auburn. Because he had all day long. And he's not, I mean, no hate on him, but he's not that good of a quarterback. One of the best games of uh, Mississippi State quarterback. Why am I forgetting his name? Why am I forgetting it? What is it? Help me out here. Oh, the state quarterback? Yeah, why am I forgetting it right now? Uh, I'm so basketball-driven right now. I'm thinking Iverson Molinar and Rocket Watts as Mississippi State players. Why am I forgetting Mississippi State's quarterback's name? Uh, Hold on, hold on. I'll look it up. I'm yeah, I don't you. know, man. But and that's the thing about it is Auburn has got to figure out how to bring pressure. And I think guys coming back Will on the defense, Will Rogers, yeah, there it is, and bring pressure and put pressure on quarterbacks because it it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. If you give a quarterback ten seconds to throw the football, he's gonna find somebody and make a good pass. And if you rattle a quarterback, get him running, sack him, get in his head that's a recipe for success for the defensive line but i think guys coming back they've got some studs Derek hall i think is going to make some improvements this year i think they can be i just i heard that a year ago i'm with ed i mean there's no yeah before the year started and i'm with ed on this as the year ended and before we got some recruits in like jeffrey Inbaz could be a difference maker right i mean he's the number one juco recruit commitment last time we said something about that coming to auburn it was nick fairley right i mean like it it, it, i'm not saying that he's going to be nick fairley or anything like that but I mean, they, they brought in some players on the line, but Auburn's still lacking a record. Like, we have yet to see a difference maker in the pass rush on the defensive line. So, like, I heard all this about Derek, uh, about Derek Hall going into this season, and it didn't materialize like people said it was going to, right? right. And so that's not me dogging you or anything like that. That's no, not me no. disagreeing with you. I'm with you. Those guys are good players. I need more consistency in the big games against the good offensive lines. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. And there's nothing wrong with Auburn fans, you know, Ed included, calling in about being worried about the defensive line because they have, besides one game, they have not proved that they can get it done. And so... Great run stoppers. Yeah, great run stoppers. I mean, top 10 in tackles for loss. They they held opponents to one of the lower yards per carry marks in the SEC this year. Great run stopping this year. It was a full 180 from what they were in 2020. And I think a lot of that was scheme-driven. I do. I, I loved what the 3-4 was going to do for Auburn from a run-stopping perspective. Pass rushing, though, I knew that could have been a problem because it, it you bring in three guys inside now, you're lacking. You're not bringing four anymore, and you need your outside linebackers. You need good edge players in the 3-4, and Auburn just – Auburn's got good edge players but not difference makers on the edge well you got to be versatile I mean at the end of the day you can't just stop the run or stop the pass because you're going to get beat by the other one I mean that's just that's just how the game of football works and you look at the studs that Auburn had in the secondary you know McCreary and Smoke Monday these guys that are good at what they do but yet there was times where they just got destroyed because they can only defend for so long let's take a commercial break here when we come back we wrap up the Tuesday edition of the show Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins with you. We've just got enough time here for final take. You got something in mind? You ready? for? You got a final take? I mean, we've talked about a lot of different stuff today. I know where I'm going with it. You feel like you know where you're going with it? I'm ready to roll. I'm going to let you go first, All okay? Right, let's let's get into final take. Final take. 
my final take of this Tuesday edition of the show, okay? Aaron Rodgers, we mentioned it a little bit, and the Green Bay Packers. I said there's two ways for the Packers to go here. All in on Rodgers for one more year, get him some weapons, make one more run, or trade him and build with brand new picks and rebuild. And you know what? My opinion, bring Aaron Rodgers back. Let him prove himself that he can win one more time. If he wants to, he may not even want to come back. But if he wants to come back, Green Bay, bring back Aaron Rodgers. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, and I'll piggyback off of yours. I like this final take. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I know what it's like on this side. I know. I've been to the wasteland. I've been there and back, okay? I've seen what it's like to have 20 different quarterbacks in 20 different seasons, right? We've got kids walking around with jerseys that have taped pieces of paper with different quarterbacks, and Jason Campbell's name is on that list, along with Deshaun Kaiser. Hey, man, Jason Campbell was one of the good ones on that (laughs) list, okay? And that'll tell you. I've been to that. Don't go there if you don't have to. And the Packers would go there if they tried to move on from Aaron Rodgers. You've at least got 13 and four seasons, and you may not be winning Super Bowls, but there's still always a chance with Aaron Rodgers that you can win a Super Bowl. You're not winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. In Green Bay, you're not. You might in San Francisco, but going to a greener pasture, or so you think a greener pasture, it's not always greener, even if it is Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, end of the day, man, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to ever do it. So if you have a chance to have him on your team, you do it. Don't go to the wasteland. That's the lesson from today. If you're in the NFL, don't go to the wasteland. Avoid it, it if you can. I've been there. It's not fun. It looks pretty, but it ain't. No oasises. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.